Hey, what's up, guys? You guys know that this show wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for our sponsors. I'm just going to give a couple highlights right here. I know I'm going to miss a few because uh, this is something new, but eventually I'm going to have more organization. I'll be able to hit all the key points. But right now, first off the top of my head, we're going to say Let's Singers Whiskey. Let's Singers Whiskey. Obviously, we have a bourbon. We have a rye, a spice or cinnamon whiskey, right? Yeah, I call it a cinnamon. Yeah, and a, and a, and a spice rum. So those are amazing. Find them in a, in a place near you. If you cannot find the unicorn of whiskey, please go ahead and contact one of the social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and uh, we'll tell you what states we do have it in currently. There's a few surprises. We have a few big states that we just signed, so I'm pretty excited about that. Another one of our sponsors, and I'm proud to be an owner of this, is Warfighter Tobacco. Warfighter Tobacco is a brand that started no more than about a year ago and actually took off from the Drinker Bros podcast and now is continuing on to jump on with this podcast. Uh, obviously because I am one of the shareholders. <laughs> uh, but some exciting news in the Warfighter tobacco world. Uh, we have partnered up with a big, big company. Placencia Cigars is the ones that are making ours now. They are producing them for us. Uh, the quality of them has just shot through the roof. They're Nicaragua brand now. And uh, they're ex- it's an exciting new thing. I think if you guys have had them before and you love them, you're going to freaking die for these now. Uh, go check out WarfighterTobacco.com, Warfighter Tobacco on Instagram and Facebook. Give them a follow and check them out. Another one of our sponsors, you already know Steel. This is one of our our, our, our big sponsors that jumped on board and helped us out really early on. And that is, not to be confused with Warfighter Tobacco, but this is Warfighter Hemp. Yes. If you're uh, tired of the opiates and the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> the zombie dope, or P- PTSD symptoms, uh, the CBD oil, the CBD right? oil is kind of the way to go for, there's no... Yeah, there's no psychedelic effect. There's, no, invo- there's no involvement with uh, psychedelic effects or anything like that. So. And I, am I correct? This is legal in every state? Yes, it I'm, is legal. Yeah, so that's one of the things. This is uh, something that Boone is a big, big uh, advocate for. This is uh, CBD oils. This is supposed to be. I haven't tried it yet, personally. I'm, I need to jump on board, uh, but uh, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to yet or not, so I'm actually looking into that. Yeah. And I think I am. Even though I'm military, I think I'm still allowed to you use You still got CBD. that stigma of it. Right. I'm nervous, right? Yeah. Like, all of a you put, but let me double check on that for you guys before you do If you're military, anyone else, go ahead and check it out. Um, this is... Warfighter Hemp. Uh, what's the promo code for Warfighter Hemp? The promo code for Warfighter Hemp is Vinny. V-I-N-N-Y. That's it? That's Vinny. it. Just Vinny. Promo code is You're Vinny. You're the man on that. Well, You're I like that. that. If you use Vinny as a promo code, you'll get uh, a little bit of percentage off. Am I right? Yes, sir. You will get 10%. 10% off. And, and uh, you guys use that code. Uh, check it out. Let me know how it goes. I would love to hear some of the feedback on this. Don't forget, that's Warfighter Hemp. Uh, yes, and another one of our sponsors, Article 15 Clothing. You guys know where it's at, article15clothing.com. Check them out. They got women's shirts, men's shirts. They also got some winter line coming out here soon. Check it out. Hey, if you use the promo code ROCCO, R-O-C-C-O, I'm pretty sure it still gives you 10%. If it does, let me know. If it doesn't, let me know. Our next sponsor is Valor. ValorSpirits.com has a sweetener that is made from the nectar of the agave plant. Uh, these guys are two combat veterans, one Marine, one Army, are now just living a life trying to make a business and make it happen. I'm very excited to have these guys on board. If you guys want to check their product, you can find it on Amazon. If you're going to use the promo code, there's the only way you can get it on Amazon. You can use the promo code called Vinny Rock, and that's capital V, capital R. Okay, so check them out. That's Valor. It's an art. It's not an artificial. It's an actual sweetener. Actual sweetener. Yeah, it's, it's an good, actual though. sweetener, and it's good. It's very good, and it's made from the nectar of the agave plants. I love that. 
It's uh, I put it in my coffee. It's do you? Yeah, it's good. You fucking sweet ass bitch. <laughs> All right, guys, go check them out. Hey, so uh, this is kind of a little different. I'm not sure if we're even going to air this, but my buddy asked me, what is the difference between leadership in combat and in garrison? And so I'm not sure if you understand this steel at all, but garrison is uh, non-combat. It's pretty much when you're home, when there was no war, it's always garrison. You're training for war, but you're never going to war. And so it's kind of thinking about that. Like, how do you answer that? I'm not sure. Do you have any questions with that at all right now? Well, I was just going to ask what is garrison, but... Yeah, garrison is pretty much... Uh, you can just say, yeah, I don't even know. I guess that's kind of the easiest way of saying it is non-deployed. So, so, I mean, but you're you're training for war while you're there. Well, when you're in the military, you're always training for – that's what a military essentially – Engagement. Right. It's it's. So imagine the, before the war be, – before the war, people were always training for the war or a war or conflict, right? And so infantrymen, even in times of non-war, are training for war. Right. Yeah. Well, my brother was in the military, in right. the army during Kosovo, though. Right? Didn't he catch Kosovo? Yeah, he was in Bosnia. 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 Yeah. Right. And so, w- w- pretty much, essentially, what you do is you train, you train, you train, you train, you train, you train, you train. It's just training. But a lot of that's called garrison. So here's what. Just gonna get right to it. What I know is this: is what training is, and in everywhere in training, there is a textbook. Right? There's some in the military. They have these FMs. It's called a field manual. In in the border patrol, they have. Um, some kind of SOP, a standard operating procedure, right? And so these orders are all created to make sure that that training is standardized across the board. So all infantrymen are trained to the textbook standard. Now, before there was combat, all you had was this FM, right? All you had was training, but without real lifetime, real time experience. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's where this where this argument for me It's like you're practicing every day but never playing a game. Right. So it's just think of baseball. Practice. What's baseball practice? You got hitting practice, you got throwing practice, you got pitchers practice, you got fielding practice. What does that correlate to a game? It fucking doesn't, right? Like very yeah. little things in t- very little techniques get perfected in practice, I believe. Practice makes perfect, they say. But essentially is playing the game is where you really iron out all the all the wrinkles. Oh, yeah, all the details there. Right, and so that's something, something interesting to say. Here's what I think. Garrison leadership. Garrison leadership is a funny thing in the military. Let's just focus on the Army because that's what I did. Garrison does a lot of marching, does a lot of DNC. DNC is drill and ceremony. The reason why drill and ceremony, drill and ceremony essentially was created is to be able to move a large unit from one place to another in an organized fashion, Right. Um, and so for some reason the military got so engulfed in this concept that like you had to walk everywhere with your platoon in this manner. Now, what this does establish is some kind of, uh, organization. It makes it, makes the units look sharp, uh, but also establishes, uh, unit cohesion as well as morale, they say with, uh, cadences and whatnot. But it's also some form of discipline to be good at DNC. There is a fine tuned discipline that needs to happen. The group of however many individuals has to walk in step. Left, 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 right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, because if one guy gets out of tune or doesn't fall along, he's going to be the weakest link. Right, and essentially it can ruin the whole pattern, right? If one guy's off step to the rest of them behind him are on step because you're usually on step with the guy in front of you. And you can tell who's the one that's out of pattern. exactly. I guess that can correlate to combat. I guess you can say that... If you can't follow the fine details of DNC, well, then there will be a difficulty of you following the instructions in combat, right? 
and it's probably what the military was really getting at. Like, look, what you do in training, you cannot create the real stressors of war in training. What you can do is stress them out by overweighing them, over overloading them with too much weight on the rucksack, underfeeding them, and also under rest, like a uh, uh, lack of sleep, if yeah. you will. And so those three things combined can be pretty stressful. They also do things like stress shoots. They also have some kind of uh, FTXs, field training exercises. And, and so these are things that the Army has incorporated in during a garrison environment to help train the force for war. Okay. Right. And so, so here's my problem with that. And if you have any questions, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to ask you, like, um, so like a garrison leader, like your garrison sergeant or whatnot, yeah. I mean, would he necessarily correlate as a good sergeant in battle? Well, that's... And vice versa? That's the question. I believe that good training stems from experienced people. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, that makes that's what makes sense. Right. And so, so, like, uh, let's just take it away from the military. Let's just go something else I have experience with. Uh, the Border Patrol. Pulling someone over. One of the things that the Border Patrol doesn't do very often, but it is one of our jobs. Uh, and when you pull someone over, it is a scary fucking thing to do, especially at night. Right? We've seen all the videos. Yeah. You, you, I've it's, seen cops for a long you're time. You're in the most compromised position. You're walking up on a guy. You can't see their hands. You can't see what's in their vehicle, especially if it's tinted. Especially if you're pulling over someone you think is suspected for smuggling dope. Someone like that. Usually, and plus that there's more than one person in the vehicle. Correct. And you're like by that. yourself. Most of the time in the border patrol, you're pulling guys over by yourself and hopefully you have a partner or you're waiting on someone to come support you. So in this aspect, what do you do that's going to make it the most safe for you? Follow the book. Is that, that's what you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you're training, do I, your training. I'm asking you, yeah, that's, that, that's what I would think. Like, for me, you know, follow your training. For me, I think an experienced guy it, understands that you have to think outside the box and do whatever the fuck you feel is going to be things mo- that's going to be most safe for you personally. And I think that comes from experience, right? There's a thing in law enforcement called the articulable facts. And that is based on your experience and duration of a law enforcement officer as a law enforcement officer. The things that you have seen are the articulable facts based on your experience is why you felt this situation needed this kind of apprehension or whatnot. Yeah, why the way you, every situation is going to be different. Right. And years and years of being a law enforcement officer, you start gathering this kind of like, understanding of situation a little bit better situational awareness i guess you start feeling it you start understanding it you see uh key indicators that that get you riled up this is the same as in combat in combat you kind of are walking in you have all these other aspects that you have uh in support from overhead uh security say c130 gunship whatever the case is so, so let's say you're a new guy like yeah it's, it's your, you're just got deployed you're right. on your first mission yeah. like you're walk you're you've been hiking for so many miles right. or you know, you don't know if an ambush is coming or not. No. But the more experienced officers and people who have been there are going to be kind of the ones that are going to go. Oh, right. Sh-. So you know what those guys do? They train as per SOP. They train as for the standard operating procedure. So say patrolling is what this is called. Okay. You're walking, you're getting your sectors of fire. You're focusing on your sectors of fire because that's your job at the time in a squad or in a formation. You're making sure that if you see any kind of threats, you either call them out or do what you need to do, whether that is engage if there's a threat. You're doing things that you've learned textbook, right? Because of the lack of experience. What your squad leader is probably doing is reading it, looking around, smelling, identifying things that he knows and what he's seen based off experience and can make a better decision than someone that only understands a textbook training. You, sh- you see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. And that's, that's, just, that's a big deal, 
right? Like, I think that's the biggest thing that you want guys that have this kind of combat experience because I think now those guys are not just going textbook, but they're able to, I guess, walk that gray line. There's a black and a white, right? There's the textbook answer, and then there's the, let me think outside the box a little bit and do something slightly different. And usually those are the right answers in combat. Usually those are the right answers in anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because you, you've had the years and years of, of extensive training, maybe not even, maybe you had five months of fucking some crazy-ass extensive training, but that five months has probably given you a five-year advantage to people that have never experienced anything. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Think about something like this. When I was in the prison, I got into a fight with an inmate, all right? We did a cell extraction. I went in. The first two guys slipped and fell. I got into a hand-to-hand confrontation with an inmate who was hitting me with a sock that had a porcelain uh, broken piece of porcelain toilet. Okay. That, that, that doesn't feel good, I bet. Oh, it was, it was, actually, I didn't feel it at the time. Obviously, the, the adrenaline's kicking. I saw everything in slow motion. I grabbed him, started punching him, and I'm just thinking, like, oh, shit, time to survive, right? Because he was in there for murder. I knew the whole rap, whatever. But that right there, that little experience I had, I built off that, like, don't get me wrong, I was scared as fuck. For, for about a month, I, I was having kind of a PTSD moments, right? I was really question going back to work but when i did go back to work i really built off the experience i learned there what went wrong what went right you know the almost they call it in the army they call it an after action review and a and aar right and so after action review is you're looking back at what just happened reviewing it and seeing what you could do better what went wrong why it went wrong and how to make this whole scenario go smoother the next time and this is in everything we do this in baseball yeah you're watching film you're watching charts for pitchers Right, you're yeah, watching, what you should have done here. Right, or, we're talking about fighting the other. We're talking about boxing. You're watching tape of another fighter and what they do. What are they strong at? What are they weak at? This is all war gaming. What rounds are they good in? What right, exactly. They, yeah. So this is all war gaming. How do you get war gaming based off experience? You see what I'm saying? So do you think that military training kicked in during that extraction exercise from that cell? I think my combination of shit that I've been through in my life, whether it's training for a fight, whether it's doing combatives in the military, whether it's that flight, f- fight or flight response that I've probably been so more accustomed to than other people because I've been in more in those situations, whether it be combat or, or whatnot. You know, I think, I think it's just my experience, my years and years of life experience has prepared me better for that than other people probably in that same space. They had, like, say this guy fresh out of high school waits until he's 21 years old, I think goes I into think, the prison system. Yeah, I think Joe Bonneau with no experience in fighting would have got his fucking ass handed to him, and it yeah. would have been another issue in the fucking, in, in this cell. Well, let me, let me ask you this question. I mean, military, obviously, but it, it probably pertains more towards military, but also in general. Do you think leaders are actually born, they're not made? Ooh, good question. I've actually wondered about that myself. I, I can't say... I'll say this. Let's talk just personally, me. Yeah. I found myself to be a great leader. Yeah, you you're definitely had that. And right. a group, if you're in a group of people that, that would be considered leaders, you'd be one of those people that would still be the leader of the group. Or I know when to follow because I feel like there's someone that's a better leader, better, more experienced than I am. You don't have that bravado. Right. No, no, no. There's not an ego when it comes to leadership. You have to allow uh, the people that are, that are more experienced in whatever situation it may be, let them run it, right? And if they're not willing to, then someone has to step up. And when you're in charge, you need to be in charge. Uh, a lot of people don't know that I've, I've got the leadership award in several different schools in the military, also in the Border Patrol. So I have a lot of leadership awards. And part of it, I believe, is a miscongeniality award. Like people just like me and they vote for me and saying, hey, you're a good leader, right? Prom king. Prom king. Right. Exactly. Just, just, just shaking That's hands. That's a true story. Yeah. Shaking hands and kissing babies, right? But the other part is like, I understand people. I understand what makes them tick. I understand that every individual is different. I've talked about this with raising kids. I talk about raising kids and raising 
and raising soldiers the same thing. My quote is, uh, if, 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 uh, if you raise your kids like you raise your soldiers and you raise your soldiers like you raise your kids, you'll never go wrong. Because it's all based leadership, I believe, is on love and affection and giving a shit. A good leader gives a shit. The, uh, the old school leader that leads by, by being a tyrant is dead. It doesn't work. Uh, in my dad's generation, it did. Mm. And I think that's, that's a very common for a lot of the households and upbringing. A different mentality back then. Correct. Right. I think uh, men, men were had that machismo. The men were very masculine. Women were very feminine. There was no fucking in between. If a man showed weakness, he was a, he was a bitch. Yeah, he was a goner. Right. And he, and he didn't survive in his group of friends. Well, let's let put it like this. So if, if, if you take that kind of your leadership skills into uh, garrison, yeah. um, there's not going to have, they're not those, your soldiers aren't going to have that attitude of, oh, we're, we're going to be going to a conflict or, you know, if it's during peacetime. Right. So how do you keep them in tune? Like it's the hardest part. That's garrison leadership. You have to find what's going to motivate them and make training exciting, scary, fun again. You have to almost put them back in them. You have to make them create a war for them, right? Okay. You have to create a war for them. Well, you have you because you, know, you guys separate teams and yeah, you can do all kinds of shit. I think uh, one of the most uh, most impactful training you can do is anything that stuns a pain response, uh, simunition rounds. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're training a force with simulation rounds, nobody wants to get hurt. Then now there's an actual cause and effect. If you fuck up during your training, you get fucking pelted with pain. That pain response trains better people, right? Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah exactly. That, right. that wouldn't be good. And so, so the idea for me is like, I think garrison leadership without experience is weak. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, because you can have somebody leading a group that doesn't have... Right. But I think the fundamentals of leadership of, of leadership all in all, there has to be a foundation that's built off of it. So they have a thing in the military, they call the battle drills, right? And so let's just go off of one. It's going to be uh, a battle drill, say, say flanking the enemy. Let's just say that. All right. This is something that is the same battle drill that has been written down and proven. Um, the same, a uh, same battle drill that's been written down and proven since Vietnam. Oh, well, I was going to think like, West Point. Let's go even further. Yeah. Uh, Civil War type Let's go even style. further. I wouldn't say Civil War, but I'd say uh, World War One, World War Two. Yeah. Right? Those those are these are some of the basic um, skill sets that an infantry platoon would understand. An enemy to the front, suppress the enemy, send out flanking elements, bing bang boom. Right? It's kind of the a basics of chess like a basic chess maneuver. Right. Yeah, it's it's fucking what's that game they play with war on, on the table? It's a big fucking they roll risk. Die. Risk. It's some. You know what I mean. It's a, it's a game. There's a format that has been proven to work. Now let's be honest. You think something that worked in civil, not civil war, but if you think something that worked in World War One, World War Two, Vietnam is going to work necessarily in Iraq and Afghanistan? No, I mean it's a total different. No, I think there's a foundation there, right? Yeah. There's definitely a foundation there that is, that has to be set, but the experience is proven that there has to be change. We have to grow with the times. There's an evolution of combat. There's a you know, and uh, we have to evolve from the jungles of of Vietnam to the deserts and mountains, mountainous terrains in Afghanistan. And so, so this is this is where it bothers me is there's a lot of guys that in classes I've had in courses I've gone through some NCO development courses and guys are like. Well, this is how you're supposed to do it. And I'm saying, and and I'm the guy that had combat experience. Like all my Ranger buddies had combat experience, and some of these guys in the, um, in the, 
NCO development courses didn't have combat experience. They just weren't fortunate enough to go yet. I was just going to ask you that kind of question, like how you as a soldier or as a platoon or whatever felt when you had a guy that was fresh out of college or fre- like, you know, his, his, right. His, 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 well, it's scary. He's scary. I'll finish he could this. be number 10 in yeah. his class. I'm going to finish this and we'll go jump on that because that's what an officer is in, in range of town yeah. and uh, a PL they call it. So let me, let me, so I've been in this course and I remember this combat engineer has never been to combat, but he's been through all the training. Right, he's been through the textbook training. He's saying like, "Well, I, and and the question was, what do you do if a if a young Haji kid, right, in Afghani, comes to your car, comes and tries to split your convoy? Uh, and your convoy, it's a pretty big deal. If somebody splits your convoy. There's a there's a chance that you could potentially be compromised and possibly an ID of some sort. Right? It could be a setup for something. You're at war, right? We we understand." War is a fucking ugly thing. War is a scary, unpredictable motherfucker. And in in my platoon, the answer was always, uh, if we have to, you take out the threat, you continue on with your mission, right? It's just a mindset that a lot of guys have. And you have to, why? Because we all want to go fucking home. Well, well, yeah, another thing is, I was just thinking, the first time, if let's say he was stopped in the middle of the road and went like this, right. you some, some people, it's the first time seeing that, they might stop. Right, and, and understand like people have also used that for decoys to set up ambushes, IEDs, yeah. right? And so it's like, and, and my mind says like, dude, if something like that happens and we're on a convoy going to a mission and this, this is known based on experience that that is a threat and it's potentially a setup for an ambush or whatnot, you can engage to create either um, warning shots or lethal shots if needed. And this kid's like... Oh, is that what you want to do? You just want to kill everyone because then you're going to fucking get J, uh, UMC and uh, UCMJ action and go to prison. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Like, have you ever been a comment? No. I was like, well, then you don't understand the difference of what training represents and what real war, world time war experience is. You can't see that. You can't see that war in the textbook. Dude, there's not. You, you, there's no, there's this, there's this equation that's not there. The, the human factor. The variables. Yeah, the variables of... The human the, factor, that's a good The point. human factor. These motherfuckers will do whatever the fuck they want because their war evolves as much as ours. Well, they don't have a textbook to go right. by like you guys. And they probably do, but you know what? They see what we do and they change theirs. They manipulate their movements to make it... A perfect example for this is war, war is always changing. Is when we started in the IEDs, we were stopping and doing this five and five and five or something like that. Like They, they, they call it something. There's a certain standard operating procedure for making sure you don't get blown up by an IED. Once they started seeing how we did that, then they started doing other things to capitalize on that. And so we go back and forth. It's just this crazy thing about war that is, like I said, the human factor. Everybody's going to war wants to try and win that fucking war. Everybody going to war has a belief system in why they're fighting this war. We have ours, they have theirs. They're going at an angle like they just want to survive and they want to destroy Americans, right? We're going in as like we want to take out the terrorists, and protect America, right? And so, like, we have our belief system. So we're fighting a war the best of our abilities. They're doing theirs. And with that, the human factor makes things change in leadership. You have to be a leader that's willing to adapt with the time. You have to be a leader that's willing to look at the textbook, say, this is what it says, but this is not what we need now. We need to do this. These textbooks are just, in my opinion, an outline for this is where we start now, let me gameplay and warplay for the area that we're in. The, they, they call it METTC. It's, a, it's the environments, the mission, the, the, the mission, the, the, what is it? METTC is like mission, enemy, time, terrain. Like the environment around us as the, as the MET-T changes, METTC changes, so does my standard operating procedure. So does my fundamentals 
of what an infantryman is supposed to do. Would you take it kind of in the sense where it's like, like um, I know you're not much of a football follower, but you've played the sport. Yeah. You go, you go into a game with a game plan. Yeah. And de- depending on how, like with an offense, and depending on how that defense reacts, you might have to change it. Or so you there's a there's a doing. quote they say, all plans fail upon first contact of the enemy, right? And they say this because that same exact like that that human factor of one the sphincter, right? You get scared as fuck, and everyone starts to just react. But in a trained platoon, and I'm gonna say just because out of respect to my my fellow 75th Ranger Regiment guys who are highly trained and, and very well experienced many, many years of going overseas and, and, and direct action, that those guys are trained to a point where when, when, the, when the contact of the enemy happens, our battle drills that we have tweaked slightly to, for the environment that we're in now, we do it, and we do it well. You know? And there's, there's that whole well-trained soldiers will do what their leaders have them do, tell them to do, or train them to do. And so that's where it kind of takes over. I've seen this happen. I've also seen a private kind of stop and stutter and kind of wait, and you have to boom, shake them and get them going. But I've seen good guys do exactly what the squad leader says because that's how it's trained in Ranger Battalion. I can't speak for other units. I know that if someone is drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled, what does Ranger Battalion do? You know, we do all kinds of different training from live fire training to regular training, blah, 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 from walkthrough drills. You know, we do shadows. We do all kinds of stuff. You do everything you can to hit every single angle of the stress factor that a, that a soldier, brand new soldier, is going to see in combat and make sure that when that happens and he shuts it down and doesn't know what to fucking do, he remembers, do what my team leader says, shoot what my team leader shoots, go where my team leader goes, and that's all you really need, right? But that's based off proper training and based off garrison training, slightly manipulated for the time and location that you're in. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's... Well, because if you're at garrison training, if you make a mistake, do they tap you on the shoulder? Like, what are you... Or not tap you on the shoulder, but yell at you or whatever they do. But, hey, you just got yourself... You got your leg shot. Yeah, you just got yourself killed. Right. Or whatever. Or or you just got part of your platoon killed. Right, and what's the threat on that? Oh. Oh, I fucked up. That sucks. Uh, you feel stupid. I mean, Ranger Town sometimes a little bit more harsh on the guys, which I, I, I believe that's why there's such a well-trained unit. We get fucked up. We get smoked. You get dusted off a little bit. You know, they, they make you sweat. You know, and there's a pain factor there, right? But I think the best way of training a guy is actually putting him through it. I mean, what's the scariest thing you could ever think of when, I, when you're, you've never shot a live round in your life and now you're going and entering clean rooms with live rounds? Getting that, shot or shooting somebody else. No, I'm talking training. That yeah, that, training. That would be the thing. yeah. That's the fear of like, oh my god, don't shoot myself, like, don't shoot someone else. Clearing a room, like if you were to take me, never right. been trained in the military like that, and you're like, all right, you're gonna go with these guys live rounds, I'm like whoa. Yeah, your fear is like, what the hell? I don't want to hurt my buddy. Yeah, scary. But that's a good factor to give them, right? That's to to try and get them comfortable with having live rounds, because you know what, you're going overseas, you're gonna have live rounds, bro. You know what I'm saying? And so that's part of the desensitization. Yeah that we try and do in difficult and hard training. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's interesting. And you were saying earlier, I want to talk, talk on this. How do you feel about guys who just got out of the military, just got out of the, uh, the, the uh, college and have zero experience with the combat, but they're 100% textbook? That's but, a scary thing. But when they get in there, what they have, what's, the, what's the course well, they have to go through? They have to well, go through so the officer training, OTC? Yeah, they go OC, OTC, something like that. They go some kind of officer candidate OTS, school. I think. OCS. OCS. There you go. Yeah. We, we got it. <laughs> so often in Canada school, they go there and they do their training. But again, that's textbook type training, right? This is, and it's probably trained by badass infantry dudes that have a lot of experience and probably kind of push them to the limits and push them outside of the normal 
fucking 7-8 type training. 7-8 being the infantry kind of model, the older infantry model of battle drills. And so I think they probably get some pretty good training, but it's still not enough. You think that guy who's done fucking just textbook training is ready to go to combat and lead a fucking a, a platoon of badass fucking army rangers who've been there, mind you, three, four, five times more than them? No, most of those officers are fucking respectable and understand like, yo, I'm here, I'm well trained in my job. I know you guys know your job. I'll do mine, you do yours. And that's why they work hand in hand with a platoon sergeant who usually has years of experience. Well, how often, so those guys that come out of college and they're in their officers now, like how, how do they, how often are they actually in the battlefield and see that fire? So your PL is your platoon leader. He's on the objective with you. He's hands in, he's hands on going. So like, so his first mission could be a lot of the same as the privates. Their first 100%. Mission so I mean, right. But what you're hoping though, is that gentleman has uh, a little bit more life experience and maturity. But these days it's different. I've gotten privates that have a uh, bachelor's degree. They decide they want to go enlisted instead of uh, you know you know see what I'm saying? Yeah. Guys like uh you know like I mean there's there's guys out there that decide to go that route instead because they want to just be enlisted. They Starting from the bottom and work because right. they can still work their way. Yeah, eventually up. they go and they can go green and gold and blah 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 all these other things. But <sighs> so back on point. Yeah, that's a crazy. That's a weird one. But you know what? I can just speak from my experience. I've had some PLs that have very little experience. Jump jump into Ranger Battalion. Not jump in, but actually get into Ranger Battalion understand their place and be very, very successful in some serious missions. And so there's a lot, a lot to that. There's good training, proper training, as well as uh, humble. They, they let, they allow the platoon sergeant that is in charge of that platoon as well, do his job. They, they don't, they, they don't learn from everybody above them. They learn from, yeah, they do. They, yeah. And, and, and you kind of have to, if you want to advance in Ranger Battalion, you really have to fit in and, and know your place and, and, and learn from experience and, and you get plenty of it in Ranger Battalion. You know, they get plenty of it real fast. And so, well, I mean, you like anything, I'm sure, in life, it doesn't matter what job you're working or what school you're going to, you're going to run into good bosses or yeah. good, bad bosses, good teachers, bad oh, teachers. Correct. So I'm Every, everywhere, right. It has to apply with the military. Right, when, well. it comes to the, when it comes to the Ranger Battalion, because it's a little bit of a different beast, if you suck, you're gone. Yeah, oh, yeah, you can just yeah. kick you out. You're done yeah. with a lot. You're done here. Well, all those officers have Ranger tabs already, so you know they've been through at least a stressful side of things, and you know men- mentally... They're tough enough to handle some serious shit. Right? Yeah. It's not the hardest school in the world, but it is pretty tough. So let's just go back. Let's just start here and let me just finish this. It's um I think the difference between leaders in training and in combat, I think the leaders leadership and training needs to train the force. They need to make sure that understanding a textbook is just textbook and trying to find ways to train their soldiers add the stresses of combat because essentially what you're doing is training them for combat. There's no there's no other reason to train. Right, you're training them for war. You're training for to do their specific skill set in 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 war, and so and if that's the case, you should be providing training that can closely replicate a combat stress. Uh, now, I was going to ask you this other question too. Being a leader, you you have to know everybody's job, right? I mean, from oh, yeah. from the guy correct from the very bottom correct. all the way up. You to- should be. You pretty much do every job in the military yourself. By the time you get there, you should be. Like a lot of, the, as an infantry, uh, rifleman, there's a rifleman platoon. You should be doing every job a rifleman has to do from a rifleman to a grenadier to a saw gunner to, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, because if so, you're in that point where you need to, if something changes, like right. the flip, the You should. Flip. Not everyone does it. Some guys skip around things in that, you know, but it, it, all real, all reality is, is that you, you do your best to know every single job 
that is in the platoon. Being multifaceted. In your squad, right. Well, you know, as a good leader, I think a good leader should train uh, several levels below him. I, I would I would expect that my private, brand new private, would know exactly what to do. If I got shot in the room first, and God willing, it is always me that gets shot in the face first before any of my, my soldiers, my kids, right? Um, I would hope that he knows my job to a T. To a T. Grabs the radio, fucking continue, Charlie Mike, continue mission, right? And you should train your guys. I believe, you're, I believe everyone in the platoon should understand the jobs. All the jobs, how to how to fill a radio, how to how to do your medical, how to how to load and unload a freaking uh, automatic rifle, things like that. Yeah, because you never know what's going to come up. Right. And so, like I said, in training, I would hope that a, a training leader trains his men as close to replicating combat as possible, and understanding that the foundation of your FMs, your field manuals, is just a starting point of what really needs to happen in training. The stressors need to be there. The, uh, the, the, the hard things in combat need to be there. Your, your realistic medical training needs to be there. It has to be a high-stress environment for them to feel comfortable when it actually comes down to combat. I think your combat leaders understand that. I think combat leaders who have experience understand it even more. I think combat is one of those things that, I wouldn't say all rules go out the window, but it can get to the point where you just got to do what you fucking have to do that is not written in any kind of textbook, that is a fine line to walk, the gray line, and you do what you have to do to be a, be successful and complete your mission, whatever it may be that day. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was a quick one. Just want to throw it out there. Uh, this is actually for a buddy of mine. And uh, this is my thoughts on leadership in a garrison unit and leadership in combat. Hope you guys enjoyed it. All right, guys, so if you've listened to that first part, that was uh, actually a recording we did for a buddy of mine who was asking me my opinions on that, and I thought it'd kind of be a good podcast. I wasn't sure, so we went ahead and recorded it, but there's one part of that that I want to uh, elaborate on, and it's the part where I talk about good leadership. It really is how much um, you love and respect, and as well as the affection you have for your your teammates, and, and when I say that... Some people probably didn't understand what I was saying or could, uh, I guess, probably want me more elaborate on that. Yeah, definitely. Especially if um, you're not the kind of person that's, that understands it as well as you do or yeah. if you've been in the military type deal. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I said the quote that you raise your kids like you raise your soldiers and you raise your soldiers like you raise your kids. You'll never go wrong. And what I mean by that is that... If you go at leadership in a manner where that you actually care about the individual, you care about their well-being, you care about how successful they are, and, and you train them to do your job uh, in the military, I think you're going to be considered a very good leader. Um, having people respect you and, and keeping that respect is really what drives the force to want to please you, want to impress you, make you proud. It really is like a father-son kind of feeling. That when I've done something good in the military, or I work hard for, I remember like we do these stress shoots, you know. And in Swan Braza, you've seen the video with me and Matt Bass talking about Swan Braza. I did a stress shoot in um, Afghanistan before, and it was also shooting with uh, putting demolition to a door, and we're doing it for time. And me and my uh, uh, me and my buddy, uh, we won. You know, our time was the fastest. And um, I believe his name was Kilpatrick, my buddy that was with me. No, damn it. Caparis. His name is Caparis. You'll find it. Yeah, but me and him, we went at it, dude, and we fucking ran. We shot. We, we hit the targets we wanted to. We set up the charge and everything. And I remember him saying, like, damn, Vargas, good job, you know, and, and I couldn't be more proud 
the whole time we're working hard to, to please him. He's kind of the guys we the guy we looked up to, the one who trained us, uh, in essence, our father figure. And so I took from that as like, man, that's that's good leadership. You you wanna you want your subordinates to respect you to the fact what they want to they don't want to let you down, right? It's one of the things like you know if you tell your dad like uh, your dad says, you know, what, son, you uh, you let me down today. Yeah, they just give you that look and be yeah. like, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Right, that hurts. Yeah, that cuts deep, right? And that's that's the kind of relationship that you should be having with your subordinates. <clears throat> and so let me get a little bit more into that. Is that you should be just like you treat your kids. You you love your soldiers. You love your kids. You know, and and I use that reference because it's very similar. I think. A father is essentially a leader. A father is raising the future leaders. Those kids are going to see how you've tr- leaded them, and they're going to use that as an example of how they want to lead their kids, how they want to raise their kids. Uh, and so when I say that, it's it's I am very much so a, a very similar cookie-cutter cutout of what my father and how he raised me. There's things about how he raised me that I probably didn't agree with, and so I backed off of, or I didn't do, or I don't use. Or you didn't understand at the time. Correct. Oh, there's, there's, man, there's so much <laughs> I didn't understand and I couldn't stand. Like, I was like, what the fuck, dude? Like, well, I don't understand, right? Why like, is he writing me about right, this? Right, yeah, well, my dad writing me so fucking hard, right? But then as, a, as, as I had kids, I was like, oh, dude, I get it. It's because you give a fuck. Did your dad used to say that when you were younger? Like, wait, one of these days when you have kids, you'll understand. No, my dad, me and my dad, communication was different, right? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't that, but... I get it now. Like, he, there's no words need to be said. I just understand, right? And I get, and he, he, he never, I never, never have to go to him and tell him like, "Hey, Dad, now I get it." You know, he's just like he knows I know. He sees it. But with that being said, is is the, you know, there's things that he did do as a father that I try and emulate, or I try and copy, or I try and be like, you know, and just hope to be, hope to be close to what he did because I think what my the way my father raised me, um, yes, was hard. Yes, so we were very disciplined. Yes, we're always punctual. You know, all these things that are huge, uh, important factors in, in life now. I think I, I have I have manners because of the fact if you didn't have manners, I mean, dude, pops would put a hand down. You're getting, you're getting touched up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that's the kind of the thing. You know, I, I was trained to fight. I was trained to stand up for my sister. I had a twin sister growing up. And I just think I remember like, hey, do you don't let no boy put hands on her. And if you if you don't want to handle it, I'll handle it. And, and I know what him handling means. Like he's gonna go handle that and then handle me, right? Because it was, yep. you just got to do the right thing, right? Take care of your family. <clears throat> I remember years I would be, uh, you know, I'd be I'd be going to school knowing that like if someone picked up my sister, I'd, I'd go up and just punch him in the face because I was more scared of if I didn't do that, I'd have to hear it from my dad, and I'd disappoint him essentially because because I didn't do what I was supposed to do as, as do right by the family. Yeah. So your dad was basically your first leader. A hundred percent. I've taken I've taken a lot, and and it's what you continue to do throughout the years. I have gotten a lot of the f- leadership techniques that I like, that I use, and I keep them close heart, and I try and emulate those. Uh, a lot of the bad leaders out there, like the tyrants, the guys who just smoke you because they fucking have an insecurity issue or whatever the case, fucking throw those out. Like fuck that, that guy sucked, right? And it sucked. And there's probably some bad fathers, leaders out there as well that people are like fuck that. I'm never gonna be like that guy. You know yeah. what I mean? <clears throat> I think it, we all know that it is like the odds are. <clears throat> We all know who, who the people in our lives that we've picked out. Like, I don't, right, I'm not going to be like that. Exactly. I'm not going to be like that asshole, right? But I'm going to be like my dad. You know, I'm going to, I, I want to be like my dad. And there's things about my dad that I do that he didn't. 
My dad wasn't the most affectionate when it, when we were younger. As we got older, I think he softened up a lot. As he was when he was younger, he was just really just very machismo individual. Uh, you know, he's a Puerto Rican man growing up in a Mexican hood. Just that that very Latino bravado was common, and so I think he loosened up. By the time I had my my second daughter, I saw a whole change in him when it comes to grandkids. Right? You're like, Dad. You know, if I would have accidentally smacked you in the face where you're sleeping, I would probably would have, would have tasted the wall. Yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? But then, then you see my daughter's learning to walk, slaps him while she's learning to walk because he's sleeping right in the face. He just looks up with his, his lip. I tell you, he gives a lip and then he just kind of smiles like, ah, oh, come here. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? I would have caught a two-piece with that one. <laughs> that, uh, in all honesty, like, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to freaking two-piece me, but it's a big difference, right? And the way I am, I think I was more affectionate at a younger age. I was more willing to express my emotions at a younger age. And that's just based on culture, based on just my own personality. I'm not going to be 100% like my dad, right? I'm just built different, made different. Um, my mom had a big, big piece in that as well, you know? And so with that is, that's good leaders are pulling from great leaders that they knew, right? As well as kids, our kids are going to learn from our parenting skills, right? Some of you guys don't have fathers. Some of them, some of them don't have mothers, whatever the case it is. You know, my kids right now are pulling a lot from me who scares me at times because I'm kind of more of an aggressive type father. You know, I demand respect. I demand discipline. I demand uh, manners, right? At the same time, I demand uh, they, they're a fight culture family. We all learn how to train. We all learn how to throw the one-two punch. We, we know how to, you know, we, we put them involved in sports, but at a high caliber level. So they are stressed out. They are losing quite a bit, right? And that's good. We, you know, we're, we're not... We're not building, like we said before, we're not building, you know, the, 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 the victims of this world. I'm, I'm, I'm building the solution solvers, right? The, 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 the protectors. There's no participation, participation trophies in this house. No, no, no. You lose, you lose. Yeah. Every video game that I've ever played with them, I, they, if they beat me, they beat me. But I'm not going to let them beat me. Like, I don't, I don't play that shit. Right? Yeah, it's like the dad you play that plays basketball with this kid. He's never going to let his kid no, beat I, him. I slam dunk on him. finally <laughs> does beat him, then he earned it. Yeah, he earned it. He earned it all those years. You know why? Because he's out there every other day practicing harder. I'm going to be dead going to be dead. You've set a goal for them. You, you've made him, you've given him a challenge. And if he gives up, make him go out there and do it again. Like you don't let them give up. That's what a good leader does though. He drives his soldiers to train harder. He challenges them. He wants them to be better than him. He won't say that necessarily, but you're training the force to be better than you. I want everyone in my squad to know my job. And when I say that, I'll explain to you earlier today about like, there's very, very serious similarities of raising a soldier and raising a son or a daughter. Uh, think about entering, cleaning a room in combat. It's probably one of the most scariest things. It's the questionable, am I going to get shot in the face this time? And every time I came up to a breach point or I was the, had the ability to be the first man at the door, I chose that. And I chose that for the reason like I would rather me get shot in the chest or in the face than any of my soldiers beneath me. I would rather watch – I'd rather me go – then have to live a life knowing I've seen one of my kids per se go, my soldiers, guys have I trained, guys that I've raised in the military. And so I'd rather be first. And I do that because personally, I just think it's right. I also have more experience. I feel like I'll be able to handle the experience more. It's just personally what I like to do. Not The SOP doesn't say that. The standard operating procedures for entering and clearing room is not that, right? The, the, the actual numbers are one and two men are usually the two that get shot first. And that's why I'm like, well, then I'm okay with that. Yeah. Well, you use the analogy too, the boogeyman for the kids. Exactly. That's exactly what, behind that door is a boogeyman, right? For, for my soldiers. 
in the same aspect, flip it around and you're at home and your son says, dad, I think I have a monster under my bed or a boogeyman. You know what I mean? Like, well, think about it. All you fathers are there. Do you tell your son? Okay, well, go in first. If it's clear, then I'll go next. Fuck no. <laughs> no. Fuck no. You say, all right, son, don't worry. Come in. Let me show you that there's no fucking boogeyman. Let me show you that it's not fucking scary to go in your room. Come in here. Follow me. Dude, follow me. That is a huge thing in the infantry. Like, dude, lead by example. Lead from the front. Hey, son, watch this. I'm going to turn on the light. I'm going to look under your bed. I'm going to look I'm gonna look under the sheets. I'm going to go through the closet. But you know what I did? I went first. I was instilling the trust in my son that I'm willing to put myself at harm's way for your trust to show you that's how much I love you. That's how much I give a fuck about your feelings. And it's a feelings, but like really, I just, just your well-being. You know, I want my sons, I want my daughters to understand that. Like, oh man, I might be an asshole. I might yell at you when you do shit wrong. But in the end, oh, I'm gonna die for you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like you're doing it for a reason. Right, exactly. We're we're raising I'm trying to raise solid individuals for our country's sake, right? But just for for, for the knowing how fucking hard life is. You know, I'm trying to raise them with, with the tools they need to be successful. You know, and and it's and it's part of it is being a good leader by example, right? A lot of these, a lot of my kids are probably gonna look and be like, "Dad was badass. I want to be kind of like that." You know, and I'm gonna say, "Well, you don't need to be me. You just need to be your own version of a badass, right?" And that's the same as your soldiers. The soldiers gonna be like, "Man, Sergeant Vargas, I want to be like you. I want to be all the tabs. Like, you don't have to be me. You just have to be great at what you do, whatever you choose. You don't have to be an infantryman to be great. Be great in the right situation. Exactly, exactly. Follow, follow your leaders. Learn from them." grow from them and find your own leadership styles, right? That's why I say raise your kids like you raise your soldiers and you raise your soldiers like you raise your kids. It's the same exact thing. If you give a fuck, you're going to make all the right decisions to make sure that they're safe, that they're well taken care of, that they have enough sleep. And if you don't see it like that, well, then you're fucking up leadership already, right? And that's just that's just the facts. And if you're not raising your kids that way, well, then you're fucking up being a father, already right i'm just gonna let you know right now yeah if your kids are not like the first fucking foremost thing in your fucking mind at all times why do i work my ass off why do every i tell you all the time why for them put the you put want to put foods on that plate on the table food, um, yeah i'm gonna put food in their mouth i'm gonna give them opportunity the more i work the more money i could potentially create and when i create that all that does is create opportunities for them my daughter wants to do uh i don't know dancing there you go that shit ain't cheap one of my daughters goes to private school. Next year, I'm going to try and get them all in private school. It's not cheap. That's going to be a bill right yeah, there. Yeah, but you know what that is? It's putting, giving them a better opportunity, a better school. It's considered the number one school here in, in uh, Salt Lake. It's a, rated a 10. Fuck, I didn't go to a 10, bro. I didn't even read out of high school. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know what my school was. I don't even know what my school My school was just barely surviving. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My school was gang infested and, and, and we were terrible at sports. <laughs> did, you have, um, did you have metal detectors at your school? We didn't. I think it was around the time they started trying to do a metal detector. We had, well, they had metal detectors where they would come up and search things, but they wouldn't have, you wouldn't have to walk through a metal detector, you know? And so it was kind of early on in the stage where they started doing that a little later on. Security cameras, all that kind of stuff. There wasn't security cameras either. Ah, it was just a bunch of punks. I think all that started like after the whole. Yeah, we had, we had campus police and all that shit. Yeah. But like we were saying, I think leadership is important. I think leadership is very similar to raising kids. You're essentially raising someone's, uh, you're, you're raising someone in the space to try and make them better at their job, try and make them good soldiers, try and make them smart soldiers, try and have them grow and be better than you are in the future. And that's the same as what we do as fathers. Uh, it's, it's just so similar. So if you're having questions about being a good leader, I think just question, questions your abilities of being a good father. 
And it's, it's very similar. If you can raise your kids that way, you should be able to raise your soldiers that way. Raise them where they have a respect. There's, there's a, you know what I call it? A, um, what is it called? There's a, there's a, like a respect. There's a bar at this, this, uh, God. Respect level or. Kind of, yeah, yeah, but it, it's, imagine, I'll say it one day. God damn, I'm trying to, trying to think of it, but there, imagine if you have like an imaginary bar at the top of your head, right? And it's this, it's just this bar. It's this bar of respect, right? It's, it's the baseline of who you are. I walk into a room, no one knows who the fuck I am, but they look at me, right? And right away they're going to judge me because that's just normal. What we all fucking do, we size everyone up. And if I go in there as a military guy and I have my uniform and I have all this fucking patches and bells and whistles, right away people are going to just respect the fact that the dude walks in the door has the situation going on in his uniform. That's, the, you know, so the bar set high, right? My baseline is up here. As soon as I open my mouth, that fucking bar drops, right? <laughs> and if you say something- Potentially. Yeah, Potentially. Because as soon as you say something fucking stupid where they don't respect you, broom, and you're never gaining that back. If you lose inches on that bar, you'll never get that back. You just, you know, but there's a respectable level of, you know, you give can get- Give and take. Yeah, you can give and take. You can get away with this, right? You can, I can get away with a few inches fucked up, right? Because I'm not, I'm not the perfect motherfucker. But the fact is, if I go and tell them a lie, I had a drill sergeant one time tell a soldier, max range on a 203 grenade launchers, 800 meters. And I mean, obviously, you probably don't know this, but it's def- uh, that seems like that seems pretty long. Pretty fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You, if I aim that thing with a high wind, I'd probably get it 400, maybe, maybe. And I don't even think that. I think that the max range on a 203 is like 300, and that's like fucking. You're wishing you got that, right? That's when you're launching it at yeah. like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. If you're throwing like it like remember the movie Wanted, where you're just kind of throwing the. <laughs> but the point is like. There's someone in that room that knew the answer and was like, oh, fuck. And that guy's, that drill sergeant's fucking bar just dropped dramatically, right? They're like, okay, he's a fucking liar. That leader's a liar. Fuck him, right? What, what if happens when you walk in that kind of that room with those guys? Yeah. And all of them got the same Good. patches. Um, but Because then now you have to maintain it because everyone has a respect for those guys, right? You have respect. Dude, anyone that walks in a room, you have to give them respect. It's part of it. Just stop being a fucking a manly ass asshole. Yeah, don't it's be not, a dick. Yeah, don't be a dick. It just don't be, uh, uh, don't be, don't be, don't have an, a fucking ego because people that have egos are fucking assholes, right? They're just idiots. Yeah, and you like, can point them out a mile away. Right. Just, just walk in the room and be cool. But as soon as that dude opens his mouth, it's, it's whether he keeps that fucking respect level or it dumps to the fucking shoes, right? You know what I'm saying? And that's the problem. You can cat, dude, I feel that way all the time. I don't size up a room on someone's looks. I, I've done that for years and it doesn't work, right? Because you, you, you don't know. You can got you got a guy that looks like Chuck Liddell, has a little bit of pot belly, kind of white trashy, and then knock you the fuck out, right? <laughs> easily, <laughs> so, easily. So you, yeah, so you don't fucking, you don't judge a book by its cover for sure these days. I mean, right away I look for the ears. Like, do they have cauliflower? Okay, I'm not fucking with that guy. Yeah, I'm not going to the ground with right? them. But the point is, like, it's not about that. It's about as soon as the guy opens his fucking mouth. As soon as they open their mouth, you can see, you can see insecurities. You can see all, all, all the fucking little issues. You can see if they're a liar or they're honest. People that are brutally honest, I think that they have they have none to hide. And that's fucking I mean, everyone has fucking skills in their closet, whatnot. But like if you could just be honest, like fuck, isn't that a relieving thing to have? Like someone that's just like, yeah. Yeah, even if somebody tells you the truth and it, it affects you a little yeah. bit. Like, whoa. Yeah, you're still gonna go, well, at least they told me the truth. They weren't they weren't sugarcoating shit right. for me. And that's the thing, that's what a good leader is. I think a good leader is gonna be completely honest. Same as a good father. I do lie about do a few things to my kids. Yeah, I hold on to Christmas dream as much as possible. I was just going to yeah. ask you that question. I was like, I'm not going to bring it up yeah. in case they listen I hold, to this I hold, later. <laughs> they better not listen. I hold on. I know. I'm, imagine See, that's, I, what, that's your father. I imagine they, I fucked that up. They're not going to listen yeah. to this. So yeah, if you guys got young kids that are trying to listen to this, it's, I don't recommend it. First of all, because it cuts way too goddamn much. But 
I, I lie to them about the Christmas. Yeah, dude, I, I enjoy the fun of that, the innocence of it. It's cool, right? They believe that Santa writes Santa letters. You know, a lot of their presents come from Santa. Even my oldest one, she knows. I still, that's from Santa. It's just part of like our family thing. It's fun, right? The Easter Bunny, I don't, you know, I don't bullshit that one because that's just, come on. Tooth Fairy? That's, that's full. Tooth Fairy for a long time. And then I got really, I got lazy is what I did. <laughs> I got lazy one time. One time I couldn't even find the fucking tooth and I just threw a $5 bill. My son's like, dad, I got a tooth and a $5 bill. I'm like, fuck, what a shitty dad, right? Like, and I was like, ah, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the Tooth Fairy has too many it's, teeth right it's, now. It's been under here for like a week. Yeah, exactly. So as soon as I started kind of fucking that up, I just quietly was like, you know, my son rips his tooth out because he pulls them out himself. And I'm like, oh, cool, man. Go get five bucks from the, from the wallet, right? Because it, it just gets to a point where I'm like, all right, let's just be real. Now, when the kids ask the serious questions, the hard questions, I tell them the truth, right? There's some things I just don't think are age appropriate. Like if my freaking 10-year-old right now asks about sex, I'd be like, whoa. Because yeah, there's, no, there's no way this kid is right now currently trying to have sex. There's, yeah. there's no fucking way. Now, maybe... But not that boy, right? You know, I think I think everyone is different. Everyone's maturity levels. My my ten year old's not that kind of kid, so I wouldn't really get into the weeds with that, right? But I've gotten into it with my my uh, my fourteen year old daughter, who at the time was probably twelve, is what she started, you know, going through her her puberty and all that stuff. And I was like, hey, let's talk. And we got, I just said it straight up, like, hey, here's the truth. Boys only want one thing, okay? What do you have that they want? Sex. That's it, right? Because you don't. It's not like you have money. It's not like you have a fucking car. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you don't got money. I don't got money. Yeah. None of us have money. Right? It's not that you have a car. Right? It's, it's, there's no other reasons but for that. Right? Because let's be real. Guys from boys from 12, probably from 10, but 12 on up, really only think about one thing for a lot of your years. You know? And, and so when a boy's coming up to a girl, they only want one thing. And so you have to teach them that. Right? But if my daughter didn't hear it straight from me, she was going to learn it from one of her fucked up ass friends. Exactly. Right, and that's not good leadership. No. Right, that's not good leadership. Allowing, imagine if I let one of my soldiers learn how to breach from one of his other knucklehead friends and just learn from someone else. Yeah, well, yeah, and, well they said you should do this. Yeah, and, well, I heard you could do it, and they come back with two fingers, and you're like, fuck! I've seen a magazine once. And, right, said at Holiday Inn last night, you know? And that's my problem, like, I'm a YouTube expert, right? Then no, fuck no. You shouldn't learn sex from your friends. You should learn from your fucking parents who's going to teach you the right way. Like, and, and here's the thing, I always validate everything with like, listen, you think I'm full of shit? You, th- you think I'm bullshitting you? Google that shit. Let's go look at it on online. Google challenge. Yeah, I, I tell her, like, look, not everything on, on the internet is true, right? But I'm telling you right now, if you want to go to some legitimate sites, we can we can get down and dirty on reading everything you want to know about whatever, right? I don't care if the question is about, we have this question quite a bit, God and science. Yes, I'm like, we do. And I'm like, this is a tough one, right? Because uh, I'm not going to persuade my kid to, to be what I am in faith. I'm, I'm not going to tell him, like, you have to be Christian. No, I'm not going to tell him that. I'm going to say, hey, research it on your own. Do what I did. I asked a lot of questions. And then I had my answers. And that's what I did. And I tell them the same. But that's why is that? Because that's good leadership. I'm not going to fucking tell you, hey, do what I do because that's the way it's always been done. That's not fucking right. This is what I do and why I do it. If you find another way to do it better, go for it. If you find another thing that you think is better, do it. That's fucking good leadership. It's like Matt Larson, one of my favorite, favorite combatives instructors ever. He's one of the guys who created... Uh, uh, help create the Army Combatives program. And I've gone to f- karate classes, to freaking Krav Maga classes, freaking jiu-jitsu classes, boxing classes, everything. I like to explore that shit. And he's the one instructor that I've met that says, here's how to throw a proper punch and technique. This is how it looks, right? And this is why, right? The balance is on your foot, this is that, your hands are doing this. He goes, but if you throw a better punch this way, fucking do it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> fucking do it. If you got it this, works for you. Yeah, if you got a magic uppercut that comes from fucking your ass cheeks up to your fucking neck, do it. 
Knock the fucker out. If you got an arm bar that somehow you could slip it in by being on your fucking back of your neck, then goddamn do it. But that's the truth. It's like, that is the best leadership advice from a combative instructor I've ever gotten. It's like, dude, here's just what I can teach you. Here is the kind of the, the foundation of the proper punch. But if something works for you, fucking do it. And that's the same, I think, in anything. If a leader is not willing to accept the fact that he is not the end-all, be-all of all answers, it has to be like, hey, this is what was taught to me. This has been efficient. This works really well. But if you could think of a smarter way of doing it, if you could think of a way that's safer, whatever, faster, more practical, well, let's hear it. By all means, yeah. By all means. And that, to me, is important in leadership. And I think, I think that comes from leaders who are not egotistical, that are not insecure, right, that are just willing to just improve the force. You know, and I want my family to be the best fucking family I can possibly have. And so I teach them in that manner. Well, there's got to be a lot of times, too. I mean, your daughter's 14 now. You got six kids that you probably had to question your leadership abilities when it came raising kids. All the time. And- I questioned what I did in the military. I questioned if I lead them right. If I was too, if I cared too much. You know what I mean? There was guys that, were, that, were, that had no money and they didn't have a place to stay. I let them stay at my place, right? There was guys that, uh, uh, there was a guy that went AWOL. Uh, and, and, uh, he, I, before I got out, my one mission for my personally was to get him back in and chapter him out the right way. He didn't want to be in fine. Let me get you out the right way. So you're not running from the fucking law your whole life. There's things I did that I did that I questioned like, man, was that right? Was it wrong? You know what I'm saying? Same as parenting. Like, fuck dude. There's times when I've, I've had to spank my son and then you sit there and like, ah, oh, man, like, did I really have to? Am I doing it right? You know what I mean? Fuck, I don't, I don't fucking know. There's, not good damn, there's no fucking rule books here, Yeah, man. should I be spanking my kids? Should yeah, but you know where it came from? And- you know where it came from? My fucking heart. I gave a fuck. I did that because I know what path they potentially are taking if they continue this route, right? If my daughter lied to my face and I fucking took her phone from her, I fucking, I fucking yelled at her and I freaking told her bye and I freaking threw her to her room. I said, go to your room and stay there and you're grounded for your fucking till the rest of your life, right? And then like, you're like, until you're 18. Yeah. You're, you're grounded till you're 37. And then, and then it's like a couple days kind of calm. I was like, did I go too much? You question everything. I AAR'd myself, right? I gave myself an after action review and said, all right, maybe not. I talked to my wife. I say, what do you think? Was I too harsh? You know, sometimes she's like, ah, I think you're a little worse. I'm like, fuck, really? Okay. But you know what I do? I go up to them and tell them. I, I'm, I'm okay with being fucked up. Dude, there's no answers for this shit. There's no fucking straight up, this is the right way of doing it. Every fucking kid is different. Every personality has got him different. So I go up to my dad and be like, look, my bad. Like, I got a little mad. Maybe I was wrong. Um, we need to fix this, right? Like, you're not going to lie to me ever again. Now, I know I got really fucking pissed off and I probably... Broke your fucking phone because that's because I pay for it anyways. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I paid yeah. for it so I can do whatever I want yeah. with it. But it's like, but you know what? I'm going to get you a new phone. My bad. Can do the right thing and we won't have this fucking problem again. But if you do it again, game on, right? I'll remove you from everything that you freaking feel dear to your life. You know what I mean? You won't be going to volleyball games. You won't, you know, you see what I'm saying? But it's like, yeah, dude, I question the fuck about what I do, man. But like, I think. If you, if you give a fuck, you're going to question every movement. There's days and weeks I go to sleep thinking like, man, I don't know if I'm doing this right, you know? But I, but you know what I'm doing? I'm, at least I'm thinking about that, right? At least I'm questioning you're it. You're working for it. Right. Every time. Same thing as you should as every leader. So like, dude, are, are these guys getting taken care of the right way? Am I going, am I giving the best of my abilities to do that for them? If your answer is like, it's all in your heart and you're giving them everything you got in your heart, then you're fucking, you should be good, right? You should be good. And the other thing I want to talk about is like, real quick, 
I gotta go pick up my daughter right now anyways, but but the crazy thing is like people didn't understand why transition was so hard. It's because for me, when I went overseas with my soldiers, they were everything. I wouldn't even put up pictures of my kids. I wouldn't put a picture because I didn't want to think of that life. I can't get back to that life until I'm through with this life. So my deployment was a whole separate fucking life, right? And the the guys to the, my left and my right, I, I was in love with. And not in a romantic way, but in the most emotional fucking connected way possible. The camaraderie was so, camaraderie was so strong that I gave a fuck about everything about them. How are they feeling? Are they working out? Are they staying hydrated? Are they mentally prepared for what we may, might need to do? Are they moral? Uh, are their morals up? Right? Do we need to just do some fun fucking joking? Right? Do I need to fuck with them a little bit? Do I? You know what I mean? Do we need to just play video games? Do we need to just work out? Whatever the case is, right? I thought about them so much and so profound. I was there. I was trying to train with them as much as I can. I was trying to fucking just hang out with them and just bullshit. Right? I was trying to build the family cohesion to be so tight that on missions. It felt just like that. Like there was no doubt and question what we were doing. We were protecting each other. So we can go back home to that other life that we, we've grown accustomed to as well. And so when transitioning back home, it took a few weeks to let go of that family and, and I guess welcome your actual family, your actual wife and kids. Well, were you, were you excited to go home? But then when you got home, you're, that was when you're kind of well, like- Yeah, you uh, miss everything. You miss, you miss you know, uh, a normal life. You miss waking up in your own bed. Having fucking bacon and eggs in at house, and you you miss the the taste of a good beer and watching a game. You know you miss the 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 basic amenities of life that you're growing accustomed to. You know your cell phone to be able to text and bullshit, call mom, home cooked meals, your kids laugh. You know what I mean. You do miss those things, but I tried not to. I try not to dwell on that too often because of the fact like if I if I lost sight of what I was doing here, if I didn't stay focused, I felt like I could make mistakes. And this is how I am. I'm a competitive person. I, I'm competitive even at war. You know what I mean? And so that's how I thought. You know, uh, it took a while for me to accept the fact that when I got home, I'd have to cut off time with my guys and be home to the real stressors of life. Well, when you did get home, when you were on leave or whatever, were you constantly texting your texting your guys? The ones that were home. You check as well? them. You check yeah, them time to time. There's still that relationship there. You know, I'd play online sometimes with them and shit and bullshit, but you have to disconnect at one point. You have to just allow yourself to be in the moment with your family, with your kids and be a father again, right? Like but the hardest part about being home is that there's so much more shit to deal with. Right, there's relationship issues. There's freaking parenting, all the stresses of being a parent. There's financial issues. There's fucking just life. Life is all back at it, and you have to worry about it all again. And you know that's going to kick you in the ass. Yeah, overseas, I didn't have to fucking worry about that, right? I don't have to worry about the bills. I just kind of like, eh, I know the paycheck's in there. They can figure it out. Yeah, handle it. You can handle it. And so auto pay. Yeah. (laughs) All right, man. We cut this a little bit longer, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, we got to go pick up the kids, and then we got softball tonight. I'm excited. You're gonna try to hit. What are you gonna? uh, I'm gonna hit a home run. I'm hit a home run today. That's all. If you go one for four, you're gonna be fine with it. As long as no, no, no. I'm gonna try and go two for four, at least two for four, but one home run. There, that a boy. There we go. That's goals right there. That's goals. Set them high. <laughs> hey guys, I hope you liked the podcast. This one's a little different because we kind of chopped it up into two. Uh, we got another one coming for you uh, here soon. We'll probably record it this weekend. Yeah. I don't know. But again, thanks guys. Uh, take a look at some of those sponsors and just appreciate you guys uh, supporting what we do. All right, take care. I did it. I did it.